Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, and I'm Stamford Chidge, of course. And as ever, I have Mr. Jonathan Kidd with me. And the ever so wonderful and remarkably intelligent uh, Mr. Mr. Meehan, Mr. Mark Meehan. Uh, How are you, Mark? I'm good, Chidge. Good evening, everybody, once more. Yeah, and uh, we're back for part two uh, of... uh, the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful 50 years of Chelsea. And of course, as you know from part one, we've been uh, covering the 1995 to 1996 season. The season, of course, where Rude Hullet and Mark Hughes signed for the club and then Dan Petrescu and Terry Field and all sorts of other good people. Now, we got as far as uh, December in part one. Uh, so we're going to kick off with January and the first match in January. By the way, we go into the season... Uh, sorry, the second half of the season in 12th position in uh, mid-table mediocrity. Are we worried? No. Because we're still very high on the Rudy and the Mark Hughes love-in, really, aren't we? But uh, we're in 12th, and our first match is away to QPR. And uh, this, I don't, I, I mean, I'm sure Mark was there. I suspect Jonathan was there too. Yes, I was there. Yes. Nods nods of agreement. Um, I mean, you know, we uh we uh excuse me throaty we got it we won i mean that's uh, uh or did we win did we win or did we lose we won we won, won. didn't we? Won. we won i can't read my writing um yeah although uh, bradley allen put put them one nil uh one nil up oh i know why i got confused i've got own goal here but uh they did score an own goal from a, a, a michael dubry cross Great header, though, I thought. Well, I don't know if you remember that, but the, whoever scored the own goal, who was, in fact... Uh, 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 Carl, Carl Reddy? Brazier. Carl Brazier. It was Brazier. Um, Good goal. It was a superb header, I thought. I, uh, you know, that was actually an own goal to rival anything that Frank Sinclair regularly scored on our behalf. Uh, so that was a uh, uh, 1-1. And then uh, Paul Furlong got a header with minutes to go. Uh, look, so I, I want to hear what you think about the match generally, but um, I think the one thing that you might remember, of course, is Rude Hullet uh, went off injured after 71 minutes. And bearing in mind that we're about to go into an FA Cup match with Newcastle United, who, of course, were top of the table at the time. Very tough match in the FA Cup first round. I just wondered if you were a little bit worried. Uh, yeah, having just um, had him come back from a bout of injury before Christmas, when, when he went off, I think around about the 70th minute, that, that was quite worrying. And I think shortly after he went off, is I think that, that's when you know, Bradley Allen sort of like, you know, I think popped up and scored, if I remember rightly. Yeah, so, you know, so there was that moment where that had looked good. But I think that the thing about QPR as well was they were struggling that season. Um, and this was the first time we beat QPR since 1982 when David Speedy got the winning goal for us on that plastic pitch he sort of think God, it took nearly 13 years to beat QPR at Loftus Road that was that yeah. header that he scored wasn't it Speedo scored wasn't it from the corner was that yeah. the one yeah. yeah yeah so it would taken nearly 13 years to beat QPR yeah I, I, know, I know we've had a one season relegation in between that that's quite a long time of having a poor record at Loftus Road yeah as we say, go by train, go, go by, by car, car. Let's all go laugh. And laugh at QPR. QPR. I mean, it, it is, it is, it is monstrously poor, considering how awfully poor they are most of the time, and the non-rivalry that we have with them, i.e., how much they hate us. Um, I always enjoyed though, Chips, going into that stand at the back behind the goal, because it was so titchy and it was so near the pitch. 
it was always overhanging the goal. And uh, I, I, I used to enjoy the atmosphere immensely of going there. Um, uh, uh, the few times they've been in the uh, in the Premier League since, it's always been been fun. Um, but uh, interesting about Hullet was um, he tended not to get um, targeted too much because he had that great skill of being able to shrug people off so well. Um, he would glide past people and leave them in his wake. And yet, so if somebody targeted him and he got got splattered if he really got kicked um, uh, and he lay on the ground, you knew he was injured because he seemed to be, um, unlike Hazard, for example, who was consistently, despite his speed, uh, you know, just chopped to the ground. There was something about Hullet. I don't know, It's it, it was because he was such a big bloke as well. He just seemed to, uh, um, his, not his bulk is the wrong expression, but he, he, he had that ability... Um, to not really be threatened by people. I thought the little, little, littler guys get get absolutely smashed to the ground. But um, um, they had a quality that you knew that if somebody really wanted to kick him and he ended up lying on the ground, you thought, well, the chances are he, he's got a knee problem. He might actually be suffering here. Um, but I was I was um, um, sort of bemused the fact that he didn't get kicked as much as uh, um, you thought he would be. But that's because he was so difficult to pin down. Apart from well-known assassins, Vincent Jones and Messrs. Messrs. Vincent Jones and Julian Dix, of course. Yes, indeed, indeed. But they had a, uh, they were sort of their targets. They, they, they was very home. They, they seemed to their, their, the crosshairs were very, very refined. So there you go. So uh, a winner, a win at QPR, but a little bit of worry about Hullet um, being injured, and uh, uh, with good reason actually, because he does in fact miss uh, a very well. Given that the, that we're twelfth in the league, given that we're beginning to become something of a cup side, having got to the to semi-finals in the last two seasons, in fact, uh, three seasons, isn't it? Anyway, whatever, uh, two seasons. Yeah, I get it right. So, uh, yeah, a bit of a worry. So he's not he's not playing. So we got Newcastle United in the first, uh, the, well, third round, first round, you know, for for us of the FA Cup on Sat on Sunday, Sunday seventh of January. And um, big, big crowd at uh, big, big crowd at Stamford Bridge that day, Mark. Um, I mean, you know, as I said, we we were. I, th- I think. I mean, I think I allude to this in the summary, which we've yet to get to. But I, I, I really do think it's around this time that Chelsea start earning this kind of sobriquet as, oh well, they're a good cup side, but they're not very good in the league. They'll never win the title, but they're a good cup side. They might win a cup one one year soon, you know. So therefore the the FA Cup would, I would imagine, if my memory serves, would have been eagerly anticipated this season. Oh, absolutely! Um, still a very important part in the calendar to this day for many Chelsea fans, including myself. But even back then, 20, 20, 25 years, you know, since we'd won the FA Cup, you know, we'd had the taste of it in '94. So playing Newcastle, who were <laughs> doing well under Kevin Keegan, you know, so that was a big game. And actually, I think I remember rightly, I think it was on it was on television. We we did well. We were the better side. Uh, Mark Hughes scored and then which had happened earlier in the season as well uh, an error late on by Dimitri Karin with a sort of like a poor goal kick which I think they said afterwards I don't know whether it was a diplomatic injury but they said that he actually had done his groin in which probably was true because he, he missed the replay but it was just so frustrating you know because you're 1-0 up we should have been more than 1-0 up and we let Newcastle in, in in I think it was the two minutes in injury time for Ferdinand scores for them yeah. with that soppy goal kick from Karin so it was again it's just so frustrating because you look you look so much forward 
to the third round of the FA Cup every season, up there at the start of the season. It's probably one of the most important days in the football cal calendar. So very frustrating to sort of throw a, a winning chance away. I think we were very good at the time of making these basic errors. I think Hoddle was, was um, uh, I think he mentions that, the fact that, uh, um, and I know that um, Hullet did, he said the quality wasn't there in all the side. And I've, I've been having a slight go at Kareen, who, who could was was so uh, unpredictable. He'd be he'd do a couple of really excellent saves, which I'm, I'm convinced he did in this cup tie, and then make an error as 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 bad as that, which then lost him a goal. I mean, I, I was I was hoping we'd have a much um, better um, uh, cup run. I mean, an easier cup run, I should say. So I was in despair when we drew Newcastle. Of course, we were high flying. I thought, oh well, that's going to be the end of that, isn't it? So uh, I thought we'd done wonderfully. And it's that terrible thing of them scoring in the last two minutes of injury time. Oh, God, I couldn't believe it. Um, so uh, um, it was no surprise to me that Karin actually got the chop after this. Yeah, I, I, th I, th I thought he was dropped, not injured, Mark. I don't, I, I, well, they, they said afterwards it was a groin injury. You know? mm. So I don't know whether that was a diplomatic groin injury. Yeah. Clearly, clearly, yeah, he didn't play, so... Yeah, whether that's like a Dennis Wise injury as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the only only other sort of light-hearted bit that came out of that day, I'm sure it was this day, because um, the one good thing that, that David Webb did when he was manager previously, he encouraged Ken Bates to bring the old boys back. So you, you'd have Peter Osgood around the place. You also had Alan Hudson around the place. And Alan Hudson then was doing hospitality at Chelsea. And I'm sure it was this game, I don't think it was the league game, where after the game, outside the players' bar, Alan Hudson and Kevin Keegan have a set two, you know, and I think Alan, you know, what I love about Alan, Alan's always been a frank speaker. So I, I, I think he put Kevin Keegan in her place, in his place, or not her place, <laughs> <laughs> the curly hair, yeah, in his place. And the unintended consequence of that for poor old Alan, uh, he was dropped by Ken Bates from doing hospitality, which was yes. a bit of a shame because he used to do um, in Drake's pre-match I think he did a Q&A. Him and Peter Osgood used to do it together or take turns. I think Ian Hutchins did as well. So I'm sure it was a Newcastle game where he had an after-match disagreement with Keegan and then lost his job as a result of that. I think the problem is when you're being an ambassador, the thing to do is 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 be an ambassador. You know, you're not supposed to then confront an old an old yeah. foe and have a row with them. You know? <laughs> he, he, yeah. he should have yeah, taken... Go on, Mark. Uh, I think I think Chelsea fans would like like there's a bit of them that would like they like that at the time with Alan, you know he's actually given Keegan a hard time, but unfortunately yes. yeah, he, he lost his job as a result because he wasn't being a diplomat. Yeah. He, he should have taken his Ferrero Rocher with him, shouldn't he, Jonathan? Oh, the ambassador's reception, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the good news is, uh, even though that was a bit disappointing, is that the next match Rude Hullet is back, so he's not out long term. So it was just a a slight. Uh, 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 what, what did Frank Lampard call them last uh, last season or the season before last? An awareness. It was an awareness, I suspect, in his hamstring or something. So he's all right. So he's back for the next match, which is Everton away. Uh, now, um, this is a, a, an interesting match for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is a great goal by John Spencer. Good, always good to see Johnny Spencer on the score sheet. Um, Dan Petrescu gives away a stupid pen, which David Unsworth scores, it's making it one I thought he was fouled before Petrescu, actually. I thought the referee was just ridiculous. Really? That. That's why I called it a yeah. stupid pen. Well, no, I, I I think it was outside the penalty area when the first when they first scrapped and he was pulled and then they went into the penalty area and then uh, that was a there was a kind of scrappy foul was committed and I thought the, the referee was too far away. It was that usual thing and the linesman didn't give it. And well, so he just 
went with his instinct. It's one of those, you just think, oh, God, that's kind of perfect storm of idiocy from all the officials and the player to an extent. But he was being scragged, Petrescu, initially yeah. in that situation. Anyway, you're right, because the referee was complete numpty because on 62 minutes, um, he basically sends off Mark Hughes for apparently stamping on Unsworth. Now, if you watch the footage of this, he, he may well have clumsily stood on his foot after they tackled Unsworth makes absolutely no reaction now you know I mean I know even then it was a million miles away from what it's like today that they 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 go down platoon style for the slightest knock but you know if if he'd have been properly stamped on he would have reacted and he didn't react at all and then the ref sends Mark Hughes off to utter astonishment but wasn't it a lot to do with Mark Hughes' reputation, though, Chief? Because lots of refs didn't like him. Because there was there were some particular games you'd go to, and the ref would would he go every challenge he'd go up for the ref. I think Peter Crouch went through that for a, for a period. Every challenge would go against Chelsea, against Hughes, and he wasn't he wasn't that he was being spiky, he was just being challenging. He'd go and my, my, when I was a, um, a referee, when I first did my my uh, referee classes the referee said if the player goes for the ball and he's looking at the ball and he and he's elbows he's not elbowing anybody and it's just his own momentum he's not committing a foul and I always used to think that with Hughes all right he'd back in occasionally but the centre half was giving him grief as well but the number of occasions um, Hughes would just go for the ball and he wouldn't be looking at the play he didn't give the, the player another look he went absolutely for the ball and the referee would uh would give a foul against him. He was one of the most competitive centre forwards I've ever seen. He was always looking for every opportunity to get on the end of a of any kick and anywhere. And his athleticism was such that he would there'd be balls you just think he's not going to get that, and he'd get it and flick it on or play it down to somebody and create an opportunity. It was he was that good, Hughes. And referees on many occasions took against him for just for his physicality, which was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So next up uh, on the next on the following Wednesday, we've got the the Newcastle, uh, the FA Cup replay against Newcastle up at St James's Park. Um, this is an absolutely ding dong of a match, I believe. Were either of you there? No, I think no, it was, it, was, it was on the box though, wasn't it? Wasn't it on the box? I thought it was. Was it live on the box? No, I, I think, think it was. I thought his highlights were shown on. His highlight, oh right, his highlight. No, I did that. I did that thing of not um, not finding out um, what the result was and just sitting there. Very and, appropriate. And... The likely lads uh, technique. Yeah, it was very appropriate. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, and no, and, and no Brian Glover to annoy you. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to tell you the score. Yeah. I, I read a book once. It was green. Yeah. I love it. That's, I that's love a different it. Brian Glover. Now, I think the frustrating thing about this for a lot of Chelsea fans, and it was sort of like part of the course at the time, was if you took a ticket allocation, you know, if you took more tickets and didn't sell them, you had to pay for it. So because it was an FA Cup tie, Chelsea's allocation would have been 4,000. And if it had been a league game at St. James's Park, it would have been 3,000. Now, Chelsea have always filled their allocation for donkeys years at James's Park. But for some strange reason, maybe because it was a Wednesday night and maybe... Chelsea followed the bookmaker's viewpoint and we actually went out to 40 to 1 before oh. this game. Yeah. Uh, and Chelsea thought, oh, we're not going to win this. So we'll only take 1,800 tickets. Now, those 1,800 sold out straight away and they didn't take any more tickets on. So credit for the fans that went up there supporting the team that night because even on the highlights, the Chelsea support is magnificent. And I know we're jumping forward to the penalty shootout. 
But how the players, I knew people that went, and just said it was like an absolutely fantastic cup tie, fantastic game. And obviously after that, like Hoddle, bless him, you know, he came out at a brilliant line. He said it was such an enthralling game. It was so Titanic. We deserve to go straight through to the semi-finals. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, little did he know. But, but when he's not fighting with Alan Hudson, in his to his credit, what Kevin Keegan basically said, obviously he said it was just a magnificent game, you know, Everyone was so tired at the end. I asked Glenn before it went to penalties whether or not we should just toss a coin because it would be disappointing you know, to go out of the FA Cup in that way in terms of a penalty shootout. Uh, and he basically said, clearly with aspirations to win, win the league, love it, love it if he did. He actually said like he hoped to meet Chelsea at Wembley in August in the Charity Shield. Mm, so magnanimous, KK. Uh, what happened then? Well, Albert uh, puts Newcastle one up... Um... After 42 minutes with a deflected free kick, uh, Andy Myers uh, nearly messes it up, but Hitchcock saves. What's that all about? Why have I written that? Oh, I know why. They had another chance. That's why. Uh, Spencer then's fouled in the in the area by Peacock. Now this is controversial because he gets fouled by Peacock, who then goes off with a second yellow. Uh, Wisey scores the penalty, so we're now uh, one all. Uh, on 61 minutes in the second half. Then the referee gives a penalty for a foul on Kitson by Rodders. I thought that was extremely soft. Peter Beardsley, he scores, he makes it 2-1. And then, on the 89th minute, cometh the man, cometh the hour, Rude Hullet scores, uh, he kind of like stabs it in, makes it 2-2. So then we're going to extra time. And then uh, Darren Huckabee, remember him? Blimey, I forgot he played for Newcastle. Uh, He went close in extra time. And then it goes to penalties, basically. And in the penalty shootout, um, I remember in, in part one, I was when, when Beardsley had coated off Rude Hullet joining Chelsea, saying we weren't a big club. And I said, he gets his comeuppance later in the season. Well, he takes the first Newcastle penalty and he misses the penalty. Joy of joys. It's the bar. Hits the bar. It's the bar. That's right. Um, and uh, then Rodders scores for us. Then uh, what? What? JK? I just want to make. Before we get to the penalties, the it was Dubes headed the ball in for Hullet's goal, and there was an iconic picture taken of the two of them from the angle of them just walking down towards the the, the flag, uh, the corner flag, with his arm round him. And uh, I've always remembered that picture because it was just the sheer joy, and also the fact that that Dubery was actually becoming a really, really essential part of this team at the time. And it's something that we, we we don't give him enough credit for. He was playing absolutely terrifically, and the fact that he, the fact he was there at the time to head it down for but pull it to to score was just great. Yeah. And, it, and it wasn't even just Dubry then. That back three was really taking shape after Frank Sinclair sadly got injured. You had Dubry, Steve Clark, and David Lee. Yeah. They were all playing really well at the back, which enabled that early part of the season where Hullet is virtually covering and sweeping it. It, it enabled it, Hullet it, it, to push push further forward because. There was strength in defence. Hullet used to find himself on the right wing a lot, which always confused me. I kept thinking, well, is he a winger then? I don't get this. He'd bring us Total well football. He was in every single position. Of but it was. He anyway. Was, he back, was such a such a great player. Back to the penalty back to the penalties. Right. Just to recap. Beersley hits the bar with Newcastle's first penalty. Rodders scores for us one nil. And then uh, Kevin Hitchcock, who's still in goal for us, saves Watson's penalty. Dennis Wise scores our next penalty. We're now 2-0 up. Then uh, Beresford scores uh, Newcastle's penalty 2-1. Gavin Peacock scores for us 3-1. 
uh, Philip Albert, Philip, Philip Albert, everyone knows his name, because they used to sing that to him up there, the Geordies, didn't they? Obviously with a much better... And, and, and then we did it for Albert we Ferrer. We did it for Albert it, Ferrer, that's Ferrer. right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Philippe Albert with the rather weird Belgian Tash scores to make it 3-2. And then Eddie Newton, he makes it 4-2. And of course, Newcastle have missed too many penalties. And we go through to the next round of the FA Cup. They were a brilliant series of penalties. They were. Quite remarkable, all of them, sort of top corner stuff, or really just sending the goalkeeper the wrong way. It was uh, um, you don't you don't win against the side that scores all your penalties like that if you've got anybody just a bit off. And uh, Hitchy did really well in goal. Actually, it was um, it was it was a very joyous moment watching the telly, and I didn't know the result. Um, I was very pleased. Indeed. Uh, then we get back to the league where um, miraculously we're, we're now up to tenth. I don't know how that happened. Anyway, we've got Forest at home. Um, and this was a very irritating game. Um, you know, we just couldn't really put them away. Uh, Spenny scores on 55 minutes. And it's interesting because on the uh, on the um, the season review, um, John Spencer's interviewed and he says that, you know, around this time we were we were for some reason struggling to kill teams off. You know, and I, I, I thought, oh, how interesting that sounds. Nothing changes really, does it? <laughs> you know, nothing ever bloody changes. But also interesting in the context of the attacking talent we had. And we did have Dan Pet Rescue and Terry Phelan playing regularly now. So, you know, essentially the way of playing is beginning to really click and gel. But there we go. Anyway, then next game is QPR away in the next round of the FA Cup, the fourth round. Um, so, Mark, um, I know you've got some little weenie anecdotes about this one before we tell everybody what happened. Oh, the beauty about this is obviously we only had 14,000 for the league game. Um, so it was probably a lot easier to get a ticket. But obviously there was a bigger crowd to the FA Cup game. Um, so we only had the small bit behind the goal that JK's like sitting in. But most people I know, like, you know, we just went to QPR and got our tickets. <laughs> and at the time, I'm sure it was um, a lady by the name, I think her name was Jane Wilkins, who used to work at Chelsea and then she went to work at QPR. Uh, and Jane worked there. Uh, and I think most people went down to the QPR ticket office and, you know, they, they obviously asked what team you support. And like, yeah, even with the worst attempts, you know, I think there's a difference. You'd know if you saw a QPR fan and you know if you saw a Chelsea fan because we, we, we're a different breed to them. So Chelsea fans would tend to play QPR, but they still sold the Chelsea fans and tickets. So um, I was sitting in uh, the South Africa Road uh, that night and actually I was surrounded by Chelsea fans. So I think the only part of the ground that night I think South Africa and Eldersley were predominantly Chelsea. The loft was the only bit where there was QPR fans that night. We took over the ground that night. There were Chelsea fans on all three sides of the ground. Uh, and obviously, you know, as we get into the game, uh, the, the right result. Yeah. Yeah, it was actually... Well, it wasn't as straightforward as it seems. I mean, you know, Peacock puts us 1-0 up uh, with a deflected goal. Uh, and then Paul Furlong makes it 2-0. And then, uh, then good old Nigel Quasi. Remember him? Uh, he he uh, makes it 2-1 on 67 minutes. But uh, on um, on 69 minutes, like a mere two minutes uh, later, uh, Mark Hately manages to get uh, uh, win a penalty rather dubiously, I think. Ridiculous penalty. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Soft as butter, mate. And, oh, God. Yeah. I mean, Mark Hately looked about 83 as well, by the way, which I thought was quite funny. Um, but uh, anyway, Haley wins a penalty for QPR with, uh, you know, a good 20 minutes to go. But guess what? Bradley Allen puts it wide. Wah, 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 wah. So there we go. So we end, we end up going through, which is great. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't as straightforward perhaps the as it other, should have been. 
now the other interesting thing about that as well is because um you know uh obviously we got through against qpr and i think it was the draw had already been made because uh, i think this game was played on a monday and it was on tv uh and we drew west ham or grimsby so it, it was a bit like like last week's show all over again like we wish them away wish them away uh, and we got Grimsby away, yep. so there, there was a lot of d- disappointed people. Like he, he fancied a bit, a bit, a bit of biff at Upton Park, yeah. But we had a long, long trek up to um, Grimsby instead to look forward to. We did indeed. I remember that. I remember that, Mark. I remember people being very pleased at the end. We were going to be playing the Hammers. Exactly right. I remember. Yeah. And it was the same a couple of years ago in the FA Cup when we drew Luton. Um, People thought we were going to play West Ham in the semi-final at Wembley, and it turned out to be Kerry Dixon and Luton. And, and even the tickets that were printed, I think that you know, the early tickets said Chelsea versus Luton or West Ham United. If you've got one of those, it's probably a collector's item. Yeah, I should say so. So we're now going to February. Uh, we're seven games unbeaten, as it happens, and our next match is uh, Middlesbrough at home. And uh, I think it's it's you know no you know no exaggeration to say that this is probably the best performance we, we put in in the season. I mean, we absolutely walloped them 5-0. Um, and it was a superb performance. I mean, Jonathan was, was talking about total football a minute ago. And it really, really was. Every goal was superb. Brilliant build-up on all of them. But Peacock puts us 1-0 up after 29 minutes. Spenny makes it 2-0 on 31. Peacock again on 38. So it was all over by half-time. Paul Furlong on 52. And uh, and uh, and then Peacock to get his hat trick on 55 minutes. Um, the interesting thing about that about Peacock's hat trick, which I didn't know at the time, uh, or, or or you know, in 30 years hence, was that was our first uh, hat trick since Kerry Dixon in May 1990. So for six years. So well done, Gavin Peacock. And the other notable thing about that was um, it was Jody Morris's debut. Jody Morris came on for John Spencer on 72 minutes. That's a very young-looking Jody Morris. But there was something else that was notable around this time, uh, Mark, because, you know, I know you mentioned it earlier when you interviewed Hoddle and he was rather non-committal about his contract and Bates had just coated him off. But this is when the rumours that maybe he might get the England job started really kicking in, didn't they? It was because the game the game was on Sky TV on a Sunday as well, and it, it was not not just sort of total football. It was fantasy football. Chelsea and Hullet were that good that day. Uh, it was good because we beat the Smog Monsters. So uh, beating Middlesbrough any time by five 0 is no bad thing because we never forgot they obviously uh, helped put us down a few years earlier. But the football it was there, and all the press boys were there, and it was the whole Hoddle jigsaw coming together. And Hullet at the centre of that. And obviously England was, you know, needing a new manager. And like from this point forward, you know, clearly the ante went up with Hoddle being linked time and time again with the England job. But it was it was a tremendous game to watch. I think when I did my my Chelsea, I think I put this down as one of my memorable games from this time because it re- they were really that good that day. And again, don't get me wrong, like Middlesbrough weren't sort of like the poorest opposition in the league that season. But I think we would be in anybody in the league you know, that day, you know, probably by that man that goes. It's probably the nearest thing to it is the Everton game a few years ago, I think, with Conti as manager. You know, I think it's taken that long to see a perfect 90-minute performance from a Chelsea side from start to finish. It was that good that day. If people can find it on YouTube, I think, I don't know if it's the whole game, the highlights will be on there. Do do watch it because it was that good. Mm. 
Indeed it was. And sadly, we go from, as always with Chelsea, from the sublime to the ridiculous when we next play Coventry struggling, relegation struggling Coventry City. We go up there and we lose 1-0 thanks to uh, a Noel Whelan goal. He's, he's not actually from Northern Ireland, he's, he's from Leeds. But uh, we look, well, I don't know if he's from Leeds, we played for them. But anyway, he scores, it's 1-0, we lose. Uh, we're now back down to 10th. And then we've got West Ham at home. Uh, we love we love playing West Ham, as we all know, for various reasons. Uh, but not uh, not on this occasion, J.K. Well, it was that dreadful moment when um, Eddie Newton yeah. broke his leg, the yeah. collision with with Hitchy and goal. And uh, uh, I remember being completely, um, um, what's the word? I mean, grossed out. It was just so dreadful. He was so clearly very badly injured, and the uh, the panic that took place. It's that thing with players when they. They notice that somebody's really been badly injured and they all try and get the trainers on as soon as possible. And we were all really upset watching because we knew that um, something bad had happened to him. We were just worried that uh, it had, it was uh, uh, initially it was going to be something worse, you know, but um, I mean, it was still pretty bad because he'd broken his leg. But um, it, was, it was just one of those pieces of timing as Hitchy came out for the ball and crashed into him um, and he was running at speed towards towards Hitchy. So... Uh, um, but yeah, that 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 left a pall over the whole game. Actually, I found I find it very difficult to um, um, uh, just to concentrate on it because it had been so obviously uh, very upsetting for the players as well. Having having seen that, well, you know, I I I don't know how you felt, but and or let alone the players. But I think you know when when you've just had a a player as good and popular as Paul Elliott suffer a, a career-ending injury. Yeah, that's absolutely what we thought. Absolutely. Yeah, you, the minute you see something similar, you think, oh my God, that's his career over. Whereas yeah. if you haven't seen something like Paul Elliott, you're thinking, oh, he's probably just broken his leg, he'll be all right. You yeah. know, but at the time it was very much like that. And I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because that happened in the sixth minute and you do you do wonder, I mean, I was about to say, you do wonder what effect it had on the players. But of course, being Chelsea, Gavin Peacock puts us 1-0 up three minutes later. Uh, but sadly, it all goes futt in the uh, in the second half, and uh, the onerous, horrible Julian Dix scores on 62 minutes, and then Danny Williamson scores the winner on 72 minutes. So a rather disappointing defeat to uh, West Ham at home. But there you go. The other frustrating thing, part of this, obviously, for the first hour, despite you know the tragic loss of Eddie Newton, we were good. Yeah, we were playing good football, and the frustrating part was. Obviously, when Eddie Newton goes off, he's probably playing the best football of his career at that stage. He's sort of like desperately unlucky. And as I said earlier, what was working really well was the defence that we had there, like the, the three at the back. And yeah, and this is no, no, no reflection on Frank Sinclair, but you know, Frank Sinclair comes on and goes into that back three that's sort of playing so well. And he moves David Lee in, in, into midfield. Now, David Lee, you know, good player. He could play sweeper, he could play defense, play midfield. But actually, we had a perfectly good midfield player. And maybe because he hadn't made you know, a, a proper run out, we had Muzzy on the bench. You know, and I, I just thought, actually, Glenn, you got it wrong. You know, you should have put, is it into midfield? Because he'd have probably played in the Eddie Newton role rather than David Lee and not tinker at the back. Because at that point, that run we were having, obviously yeah, until true. we lost to Coventry the week four, we true. were in a good spate of form since the Liverpool game at Christmas. And if it's not broken the back the back three, don't fix it. Leave it as it is. You know, put a midfield player in for a midfield player. Leave the defence as well. So was, was he yeah, worried about about is it Mark? Was he worried about is it lack of experience? Because is it hadn't had yeah, played yeah. much? Yeah, I think and that's it, probably it was ultimately fantastic for Leicester. We're really top yeah. top player and. 
Turkish international. But um, at the time, it wasn't. Um, he was probably thinking, "Oh, I'm not sure he can deal with this situation with the hammers." They're, 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 no, no, fair he, point. But I'd always say, if you're on the bench, if you, yeah, if yeah, you're good if, enough yeah. to be on the bench, you're good enough to be in the team. Absolutely yeah. right. True, true, true. Absolutely right. Can't argue with that. Uh, and uh, so after that disappointment, I mean, something a bit of an interlude here, Mark, because uh, uh, John Gunn uh, negotiates a peace day, a peace deal between Harding and Bates. Yeah, and I, I mentioned it in the, the, the first half, and I think John Gunn was a sort of renowned businessman. But I thought they broke into sort of like uh, broker that peace deal that sort of followed the Newcastle game, and this is when Harding does convert his five million of loan stock into equity. Uh, and obviously then, and I don't think Harden was necessarily completely mad about the idea, but lent his support to Chelsea floating on the alternative investment market. Uh, and I think when the alternative investment market uh, launches, and I'm jumping ahead, but it's probably useful to say, it, you know, is it launched on the 1st of April, <laughs> April, Fool, <laughs> April Fool's Day. Uh, and the plan with the alternative investment market, I think, was to launch £9 million worth of shares and I think to raise 30 million. And then Chelsea was going to go to full stock market flotation three years later by 1998. Now, clearly that never happened, um, but that, that was the original plan. Um, so p- p- we had peace in our time, you know, off, off the pitch. Indeed. Well, there we go. And there's more to come on that, possibly. You never know. Now, we then go up to uh, uh, Grimsby for our next FA Cup round match, the fifth round match. Uh now, what happened there, Mark? Because uh, I mean, you—I don't. Well, I mean, I, I shouldn't be so presumptuous. Did you go, J.K.? No, 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 no. no. Too cold for you, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. Quite right, J.K. Uh, Mark. He's wise, wise man. It's bloody cold. <laughs> it was bloody. Uh, I organised a coach up there, so we we we, we took a, coach, a a luxury coach, luxury coach. But I don't think there's such a thing as a luxury coach going to Grimsby. But it was such a contrast because, like, the last time I'd been to Grimsby was in 1984 when Kerry scored the goal, obviously, and then we win the league. What a glorious, sunny and marvellous day that was. And then to go up there sort of like 12 years later, uh, and it was just so cold that night. We didn't really turn up. I thought Grimsby were the better side. Uh, I think he went on to sort of do as a number two at Leicester. Craig Shakespeare was in midfield for Grimsby that night, and he just like bossed the game. Uh, And I think, you know, I think the one chance that Grimsby had, fortunately because we talked about him on the show a couple of uh, episodes back when David Webb was manager. Steve Ludenstone, I presume, uh, was up front for Grimsby. And I think he, I think he m- m- missed a guilt-edged chance that might have put Grimsby 1-0 one, one up. Yeah. Uh, oh, did, I don't know. I think he might have got it past Kevin Hitchcock. Maybe David Lee cleared it online, something like that. But he had a chance. And that was about the only chance of the game. Uh, we, we were poor. It was cold. Uh, basically, we were hanging on for like the last 10 minutes of the game. And I think Grimsby were pushing forward, but didn't create anything. So I think I think most of us would have taken a re- replay up at sort of Blundell Park that night. Mm, indeed. Uh, now, next match, Saints away. And uh, we, we beat them 3-2. Um, just to give you the details, uh, Widdring, was it Widrington that put them? Put them? Yeah, Widrington put them 1-0 uh, up on six minutes. And then uh, on uh, 20 uh, minutes, Wisey equalises making it 2-1-all. Uh, and then Wisey gets a penalty on 26 minutes, ironically fouled by uh, Ken Moncow, who's still playing for Saints at the time, as, of course, is David Besson. Um, so there we go. So Wise takes the penalty. That makes it 2-1. Uh, 
Then uh, talk another old boy, another Chelsea old boy, Neil Shipley, who, as we've discovered in the last couple of seasons, has this unerring habit of scoring against Chelsea every time Saints play Chelsea. He makes it 2-2. But then in the uh, 53rd minute, Rude Hullett, uh, as I recall, scores a rather good goal to make it 3-2 and uh, we win to go eighth. Was that how you remember it, JK or Mark? Yes, yes. I, I thought I thought it was given as an, an own goal against Steve Clark because they sort of they sort of clatter each other. Do you know what? Like, oh, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, wishful thinking on my part. Yeah. So I'm talking arse, but not for the but first time. You mean scoring every game? Wishful thinking? You mean? No, no, that that he 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 seemed to do. I I thought Rudy scored it, but um, but you're right. It was uh, no, I'm so I'm no sorry. You're right. First time round, and I'm completely going do lally. Yes. Shipley's goal was in fact marked down as a Steve Clark own goal yeah. on 30 yeah. minutes. No, Rude... Hullet, Hullet's chip was uh, yeah. was immaculate. That's what I thought. Immaculate yeah. support, but that'd been an own goal. I'd have been really confused. Well, I so would I because I, you know, I, I mean, I, I mean, you know, this is funny, isn't it? Because actually, most of the goals that Rudy scored for us that season were all brilliant. Um, but I do remember this one being rather good. So, uh, so yeah, there we go, three two to us. We, as I said, we now move into eight, which is kind of, uh, you know. After all, our, our kind of mid-tableness for most of the season and various wobbles is looking rather good compared to last season, where it all kind of petered out when we were on our cup run. This time round, it looks like at the moment in February that it's not impacting the cup run at all, and we're in some decent form. And and this is then backed up, in a sense, that you would you would expect in the FA Cup replay the following Wednesday, uh, where Grimsby come to the Bridge. And uh, and we 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 thumped them four one basically. Um, Dube scores the first, making it one nil on twenty one minutes. Husey fifty four minutes, Spenny fifty six, and Peacock fifty eight. So three goals in four minutes for us. Uh, they got one back on uh, fifty five minutes, but it was it was game over and uh, um, fairly simple fair. Mark, you've got a, a note down here saying um, that there were twenty eight thousand at Stamford Bridge. And and yet it sold out. Yeah, because I think the capacity, the reduced capacity, was about thirty thousand. So the crowd on the night uh, was given as twenty eight thousand five hundred forty five, but it actually sold out before kickoff. So people were locked out. So there's probably a couple of thousand locked out beforehand because they didn't get down there early enough. So whether or not, you know, as we've said many times on this show before, you know, there might have been more than thirty thousand there, but it's reported as twenty eight thousand five hundred forty five or there was probably space people didn't move up on. So there was something about the FA Cup and Chelsea down the years, and this was another example. Um, there was a buzz. It was a fifth-round replay. We know we're getting Wimbledon in the sixth round, and you've got to fancy your chances at home to Wimbledon in the FA Cup. So, again, you know, we've been successful, a semi-final, a final. We've had cup runs. So there's a real buzz about the place. So probably no wonder it's sold out. And there's always something about night games. And uh, this, this one is probably no different. You know, I think I said at the time, the bucket load of drink everyone seemed to have consumed for this particular game. I think half the crowd was drunk that night. So straight from work, into the pub, into the ground, cheering Chelsea on to the sixth round of the FA Cup. And that mad five minutes in the second half when all the goals were going in. So, you know, blue flags out, people are singing. We're in the sixth round of the Cup and we're going to Wembley, hopefully. Well, we we don't know yet because we've got to play Wimbledon, who, funnily enough, we play next. And the uh, were you boys at the away match? Yes, I, I was. Yes, yeah, and I, yes, I, I, yes. yeah, of course. And, and interesting. I remember Dane said on the show last week, you know, and there's a contrast between the league game and then we played them soon after the cup game. 
this was awful game from what I, I remember. It was absolutely awful. What's the what's the pub at Victoria? Oh god, uh, come out of Victoria Station. I, I remember coming back on the train from Sellers Park after the game, and we were just sitting in the pub going, God, that was shite. <laughs> you know, God, if we play like that in the FA Cup against them, they'll knock us out. You know. Uh, indeed, and it's, it's ironic, isn't it, that that we it's such so. I mean, it happens even to this day that you end up playing the teams you're drawn against in the in the FA Cup. You know, uh, either you know slightly before. I mean, Man City's a, a good example, isn't it? And Leicester last season, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I wonder, boys, if there was a bit of you know saving it for the for the uh, the quarter final going on, J.K. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea FootballFancast.com. Um, yeah, possibly, possibly. Um, uh, I've always thought that they played quite reasonably, though. They're always very good at stifling you. Dons whenever you played them away whenever you played them because they they had you know they played a very specific way didn't seem to change very much lots of booting the ball up in the air running after it you know and uh, with a with a big bloke and they had Mick Harford who was one of my favorite Chelsea players from the past few years and um, um, he was a handful uh, as was Robbie Earl decent players so and Lewandowski, very good player indeed for Wimbledon. And I actually thought they were, you know, they're pretty decent. They they just were very good at stopping you from playing as well. And they always, they were always a little bit... Uh, you mean Leonardson? And uh, Leonardson, sorry, what did I call him? You, you, apparently they signed Robert Lewandowski, Lewandowski back in 1996. Got a, when he was on, about, when he was minus three. He's on my mind, that's why I said that's one yeah. My, yeah, yeah, Leonardson. Because we're going to buy yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. We this, this is our transfer rumor for the day. Is our <laughs> a subliminal transfer rumor. This is how we should do it, right? Subliminal yeah. transfer. We do it. That's what. That's your. That's your new show with Dan. We just should mention fan somebody cast, the game. Subliminal. Chat, chat about nothing in particular, but just get players' names wrong yeah. because they are the subliminal yeah. people we're talking that's about. That's right. The Chelsea fan yeah. cast subliminal transfer rumor show. Yeah. Anyway, Leonardo. You know, you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know the player we should buy. Yeah, that Italian midfield player, Fabrizio Romano. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Whoever he is. Whoever he is. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, but, no, but I, so I thought it was always... No, I didn't think... I thought we'd played badly, but I I, I, I was lucky. I thought I felt, well, you know, it's against the Dons. You know, I just felt that was always the that was always the case, you know. Um, 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 I, w- I wanted to f- ask a question about... There was something that happened in the game. Um... um uh, when Hullet shot for the second one, hits the defender and ballooned in. Um, well, what was the free kick for? Because it was indirect and in the box. Had there been a back pass? Because when we watched it, there we were. There were Do you mean the league be, match? In the league match, yeah, it had to be passed out of the penalty area. Because Furlong scored for us. Edge of the area. Didn't Hullet, no. didn't Hullet um, it ballooned in off. Um, oh, it was Furlong, wasn't it? Yeah. When it, well, I, I was in, in confused then. Did Furlong score from that shot? Then it just there was it seemed because there was this incident in the game on the on the highlights, and uh, and it, it's such a rare thing to see an indirect free kick in the box. I presume there must have been a back pass, but I wonder if anybody remembered it or noticed it when we watched it back. 
No, I, I, I thought I thought our goal. I thought our goal was a set piece, like uh, Hullet and Wise set the free kick up, and they chi- they chipped it in, and Furlong scores the goal. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'm confusing yeah. it then. All right, it's easily done. Uh, so there we go. I mean, as I was saying, I think you know the main event was really the uh, the the uh, the uh, quarter final, which was the following Saturday. Um, um, and, you know, a week apart, weirdly. But there you go. So three o'clock kickoff. Chelsea versus Wimbledon FA Cup round six. Uh, Graham Pohl is the referee. How delightful. Um, another uh, mental match in a way. Um, as as uh, I mean, I mean, we'll talk about it after we've done the cup run. But th- this was quite a bizarre cup run this year. Let's be under no illusion. But uh, Wimbledon go ahead. Uh, and they actually, from what, what I remember from the highlights, they uh, they peppered our goal. Uh, very early, but Hitchcock was playing pretty well. But Robbie L puts them 1-0 up. Hughesy equalises on 70 minutes. So having been 1-0 down for uh, not that long, because it was only about 16 minutes in the second half. Uh, and then and then Spenny hits the bar. And this is what you're talking about, uh, JK. Hullet did, uh, did do that set piece that was inside the box. I'm sure it was. And the, and he deflected the shot from a free kick, and it went in. That's the one you're talking about. Two one, right? Yes. It was this match. You're dead right because it was inside the box, it was about a yard or two inside the box, and Dennis Wise passes it back to him backwards for him to shoot. Yeah, and it goes in off. So uh, that was two one, and that it was... goes. And who does it go in off? It goes in off Vinnie Jones. Yeah, it may well do. But Hullet's given the goal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Hullet's goal. But it's the the irony at the time because obviously. After the game at Christmas, where Vinnie Jones had gone from hero in the Chelsea fans to villain, when Wimbledon come out, you know, Jones gets booed by the Chelsea fans. And the fact that it goes in off Jones as well, in front of the Matthew Harding, more stick rains down on Jones from the Chelsea fans. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so it bloody well should. Uh, sadly, the joy did not last too long because literally a minute later, Dean Holdsworth uh, makes it two all. Uh, so uh, it goes to a flaming replay yet again um in between all of that though we've got uh, city at home and liverpool away um my notes here uh chaps say uh in the city match uh 23 minutes in hullet wonder goal yes tell us about it it was just one of its great ability to um it was a thing he always seemed to do an enormous amount which is um failed to be tackled by anybody i just was always bemused by that he just had such skill and such power that he would just have somebody would lunge at him and he just flip the ball away um, a, a couple of yards to his right nobody would be there because he was so, they didn't know which where, where he was going to go and then somebody else would come and he's always looking up at the same time and then he'd play it into the middle so he he, he just did that about four times with players sliding around him and just smashed it into the corner it smashed it high into the net from the edge of the penalty area so i mean a typically wonderful yeah. hullet goal absolutely wonderful it was indeed mark. are you gonna say mark yeah i'm gonna freak jk out now um <laughs> are you sitting comfortably uh, obviously there's only seventeen thousand there that night but on this evening because jk's mentioned this before if i remember rightly i was invited in to aussies on this particular evening and I think J.K. said on the previous show, that's where he used uh, sat in the East Stands. So a friend of mine, you know, who was part of the executive club, and I watched the game from the middle tier of the East Stand in, in the best seats in the house. So sort of like 
tw 25 years on, I was probably sitting near to you on this particular evening as that Hullet wonder goal went in. <laughs> we may have even celebrated the goal together without even realising. <laughs> Everybody was always slightly worried about celebrating in case you celebrated too much, as Chidge would know. And um, well, yes. like, like I do, in fact. Yeah, and, yes. uh, yeah, and have the stewards come along and ask them to be quiet, to quieten down a bit, please. We don't actually simmer down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's much worse though when when an egregious tackle is made on one of our players, and I automatically drop the C bomb. I'm afraid I set to fault is set, and everybody gets upset. <laughs> quite rightly too. It's a appalling behaviour, even if it is at a football match. Uh, I'm, I've matured since then, J.K. Or or, or or drink less. More to the point. So you know. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm, when when you come again, we'll we'll put it to the test. Okay, okay. I think that was the day. Actually, that was the first time you ever invited me. So I was a bit. It was the whole game, wasn't it? And I was a bit unsure of what the form was, and in fact had got it completely wrong. And I got. I, I looked at my phone, and I had three missed phone calls from you, each one getting more and more hysterical, saying, "Chidge, where the fuck are you? You're supposed to have met me here. We're supposed to be having lunch before the game." Because I right. didn't know. I just thought I rocked up at ten to three, having been in the boozer all bloody lunchtime, and That's right. you off we go. There was a there was a, a meal there. No. Yeah. Anyway, so I'd had about three or four pints. That's and, right. Yeah, and then I took. You were very pissed. I forgot. Yeah, and then and then and then, and then I then I basically and you know because you were there, I woofed down a glass of red wine, a pint of lager, and a, and a roast beef with all the trimmings in ten minutes. Yes. Yeah. That's impressive. We have to say you did it expertly. Yeah, it was, it was, it was perfectly It done. was impressive, wasn't it? But it didn't Very stop me dropping the C-bomb when... Uh, who got fouled? I don't even remember. I think it was Huddleston tried to kill somebody, didn't he? I can't remember uh, who it was now. I think... Um, who was it? Carrie, who sits near me, went, Oh, for goodness sake, she said when he said that. <laughs> yes, I know, but it's never happened again. I've been very well behaved every time I've gone back. Since. Very, anyway, very well behaved. Uh, we've kind of gone back to the future, haven't we? In a sense, but uh, there you go. I don't mind a little diversion. Uh, right, next game is Liverpool away. By the way, we're still in eighth. You know, even though it's disappointing. Sorry, I forgot to tell you, we drew uh, with City because Nigel Clough scored on forty-two um, minutes. But uh, the next match, oh, that, that's more to this City match actually because we were lucky. We got away with a one-nil here. Because blooming Georgie Kinkladz, Kinkladzi, remember him? He Great hit player. the bar, he hit the bar, and then Rodders got one off the line. So we were very lucky to get away with a one-all there. So I'm beginning to think, actually, that uh, having said a minute ago, that, oh, look, our form seems to be all right. The cup run isn't interrupting it or interfering with it at all. Now I'm beginning to think it is. Uh, and this is... What? Pidge, did you see who scored for Man City? I even forgot yeah. he played Nigel for them. Nigel Clough, yeah, so did Nigel I. Nigel Clough, yeah. Uh, I forgot I was, he played for them, yeah. I was surprised when I saw when I saw that as well. Um, was that the end of his career? He played for Forest, didn't he? And he played for Liverpool. Yeah, so, must have been after Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he lasted very long at Liverpool, did he? Maybe a season or two. But there you go. So, there we go. Anyway, talking of Liverpool, we got them next. Uh, and unfortunately, we lose 2-0. Uh, 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 Wright scores uh, to make it 1-0. And then Fowler, Mark Wright, that is, scores on, uh, to make it 1-0. And then Robbie Fowler makes it 2-0 uh, after 62 minutes. Uh, the interesting thing about this was that Hullet wasn't, Hullet wasn't playing. Uh, he was out ill, apparently. Or, or maybe resting for perhaps what was perceived as the more important match, which was the replay against Wimbledon the following day. Ah, uh, following day. Sort of he had the following week. He had the flu. He had the flu, so he did really have the flu. Can I just ask? Yeah, he did question? have the flu. 
Yeah. Can I ask a question that we haven't debated before? What was the role of Peter Shreves in all of this? Do we know? He was Huddle's number two. Yeah. yeah, but and absolutely. But that was he. What was his particular influence? What were his strengths? Do we know what his strengths were? Do we know what um, what uh, he was very good at? Because of course he'd managed, um, he'd managed Spurs, hasn't he? Hadn't he? He'd actually been a uh, a manager himself, and there he was being the number yeah, two. I, yeah. Was it? Was he very good defensively? Was he very good in overall? Was he a tactician? I don't. Uh, Hoddle was obviously the tactician with the whole setup. What was he? Was he just somebody that he used as a an opportunity to, to pass ideas through? I, th I think there's probably an idea through because as, as we're, we're about to move into this sort of like the replay with Wimbledon and I used to go down the training ground a lot back then and I think where Shreves used to take training because Glenn, although he'd retired from playing the previous season, I think, yeah, Glenn can still play because Glenn is still a great footballer. So I think there was a bit where Glenn would often take part in the five-a-side or the 11-a-side matches and Shreves would do the coaching there and, and tactics. But, you know, Glenn still did a lot of the coaching because for this particular game, and you made reference to it earlier, the one thing about Wimbledon back then, they, they still did a lot of, despite some good footballers like Leonardson and even Vinnie Jones, I thought, played really well in the first game. They did used to stick it up in the air a lot. And I was down at Harlington before the replay. Um, and I think who, who, I think we'd have had Erlen Jonsson who had been centre-half and... I can't remember who would have played beside him that day. Yeah, was, it, was, it, was it David Lee or Frank? I can't remember. And literally an hour and a half while, while Peter Shreves is taking the rest of the squad training, whoever our two centre-backs are for the Wimbledon game. So, yeah, this is the day before. Hoddle spends the whole session just hoofing the ball up in the air and then winning headers. That was their training session for an hour and a half. Harlington. He was preparing them for the likely onslaught. And yeah. you can hear him because you go to Harlington then and stand right beside the players. And Holder was saying to them, for the first 20 minutes of the game, they are going to come at us and they're going to have that ball in the air. And, and ironically, yeah, I, I was really impressed with Glenn because I was more thinking Glenn is very much on the ground passing it and he was trying to bring that passing game into Chelsea with Petrescu and Phelan and the wing back. But actually he could rough it when he needed to and basically dr drumming it into our defence. You're in for a tough night tomorrow night, boys. You need to be ready for it. You're going to have to win lots of headers. Yeah, and I think on the night, I don't think Johnson lost a header. You know, so so the coaching really worked. Yeah, that makes great sense. As I say, that was the the, the business of winning second ball in the area was just what what they they lived off, and that's what what Harford did. Harford was terrific at dealing with that. That was his. Uh, he was even terrific at that when he was at Chelsea. So um, and Earl, as I say, Earl was a very decent player indeed. So. Uh, uh, no, it was it, 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 that was that was one of their major tactics, as you say. They had some very good players as well, so it was a they were a difficult side, Wimbledon, even at that stage without um, fashion. And go, this was a hell of a cup tie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this uh, I know we win it three ones. Spoiler alert! But this was a game. You know, this was a proper old fashioned cup tie. You know, under the floodlight, Sellers Park. You know, and real blood and thunder game, you know, end to end stuff. So. And a tremendous atmosphere. 21,000 crowd at Sellers Park. You know, predominantly Chelsea. It was it was a great night. Yeah. Yeah. And for the record, um, Dan Petrescu put us 1-0 up on 20 minutes. Then uh, then we got a, a penalty when uh, Super Dan was fouled. In fact, he was brilliant in this game. I think he was absolutely top, top draw. And he, he was a threat all night. Uh, so he basically scores one by going down the right and absolutely hoofing it into the net. 
and he's about to do it again. They just take him out in the penalty area, and uh, Wisey scores the pen. Oh, sorry, Wisey, Wisey's penalty is saved. Then Hullet hits the post from about twenty-five yards out, which another, which, another wonderful Hullet yeah. Hullet run just yeah. to actually smash the ball against the bar. It, it was that imperious ability he had just to shrug players off. And would have been a brilliant goal if it had oh, gone it would in. Have been yeah. Phenomenal, phenomenal goal. But yeah. sadly, it wasn't, which meant that Wimbledon then, of course, equalised on 39 minutes with uh, John Goodman. Uh, uh, but uh, n- do not panic, everybody. In the second half, uh, Dubes scores to make it 2 1. And then uh, the time honoured uh, trend of this year, this season, Hullet to Hughes makes it 3 1. And After we... a great Hullet run, Chief. Another great, great run, run, yeah. I know, he's brilliant. So On fire in this game, on it... fire. Well, big players turn up in the big matches, don't they? That's the bottom line, and that's that's what Hughes and Hullet were all about. But I, I still think Super Dan was brilliant, absolutely brilliant in this match. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Player. So there we go. So we're into a semi-final of, a, of an FA Cup again, which is fantastic. And um, before that, we have a a one-all draw uh, at home with QPR. Spencer for us, Barker for them. Furlong missed a sitter after Complete being bril- a dreadful. Sorry, you were saying to you, well, Yeah, just just for Furlong misses a sitter after being bril- brilliantly set up by your mate Rudy Jonathan. Yeah. yeah, and I've made a note here who seems to be playing far more forward now. Yes, so, I think. However, he did lo- lots of when Furlong missed. He did lots of holding his head. Yes, and there were lots of Furlong misses. I'm afraid. Yes, and lots of holding of heads. Lots of holding lots head. of shaking of dreads, mate. Shaking of dreads. In a very theatrical manner. Indeed, indeed. He was nothing but if not a showman. But I mean, it's interesting, actually. There was an interview, you know, one of the interviews he did uh, for the season review, and it, it was very clear that Hullet was a great believer in that, you know, they were there to entertain. That's what they. That's what their job was. He was there to entertain the crowd. So he was a real showman, I think, in every respect. So there you go. I agree with you. So right now, the moment we've all been waiting for, um, we've now got an FA Cup semi-final. And that's three semi-finals in a row for us. And this one uh, is at Villa Park on what can only be described as another shit pitch. Uh, sand pit, in fact, is how I described it, Mark. Um, but it was a kind of a... It was just one of the... I mean, to cut to the chase, we lose 2-1. But I have to say, the luck we had in this match was completely and utterly non-bloody existent. I remember being absolutely gutted and pissed off about this. And I was going around swearing and kicking things about Man United. I mean, having lost them 4-0 in the final a couple of years prior, having had such a good record against them as well, which we always do, um, to lose like this was was just unbearable, Mark. I agree. Um, I think it was an early kick-off, I remember. It was on a Sunday. Yeah, I half think it was one. Like, yeah, I think it was about a 1.30 kick-off. I remember, yeah, I think we went up there in a minibus, uh, I, I think we're we're at we're in the Doug Ellis stand on the side, but like the Chelsea fans, we had the whole of the whole end, and it, it was just like a party celebration. There was balloons, there was streamers, so like a wall of blue and white colour. And Man United hadn't sold out their allocation, so there was less Man United fans, even though Man United were closer to Birmingham than Lon- London was. So I don't know whether there was complacency on the Man United's part, but it was just as bad as sort of Wembley was in the rain in '94. I think this was worse. It's just like we played so well, and as you say, just everything went against us. Now I know people might blame Craig Burley for that sort of like moment of madness, but again, a lot of luck went against us. Like Steve Clark was injured, then Terry Phelan got injured. Terry Phelan, to be honest, should not have been on the pitch. You know, I admire professional footballers that want to stay on the pitch and want to play, but I was there. It was clear the guy was struggling, and and that's when Beckham gets the goal. 
you know, because he's, he's struggling to get back. And so eventually, I think, was it Bob Osborne, I think, was our sort of like, you know, magic spongeman at that time. And I think Bob Osborne eventually singles to feel it to come off. But it's too late then. You know, like the, the, the damage is sadly, sadly been done. You know, um, obviously two one behind. Now we make a real go of it in the latter part of the game. Yeah, and then this moment where Spenny has this one chance late on, and who rocks up of all people to clear the ball off the line? But Eric Cantona. Cantona. You know, it, it was that real siege mentality that you know even Cantona's back, helping out. But oh, you know that was just so frustrating, such such a nightmare. You know, you know, and and also you know we missed Super Dan. Super Dan was suspended because he'd been sent off. You know, um, but just a frustrating, horrible journey back to London. So I think I was more fed up. You know coming back from Villa Park from this game than I was coming back from Wembley. And it's that whole building up, you know, great cup run again and just so, so, so disappointing. Yeah, and I think, you know, we, we were definitely having the better of it early on. I mean, I know Beckham hit the post early doors, but Dupes hit the bar with an amazing curler, if you a remember. Great shot, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... Can uh, I say that, that I... I... The hatred I had for Burley after his cross was palpable. I'm, 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 I'm now embarrassed the hatred I had because he was doing his best, and he'd, he'd had a good season. He yeah, but who, who volleys a back pass back? But in, in, it, well, indeed, it was a completely stupid, unbelievably stupid. stupid. I'm recreating my hatred now. I don't, I can't believe I'm doing it, but I am. He was absolutely. I remember actually being incandescent with swearing as a, as a result of that. I remember going, fuck, 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 you know, but it was so, so dreadful. And, um, and yet, you know, it was, it was a part of the luck. You just thought, oh, Phelan's had it, Clark's had it. Oh God, what's he done now, Burley? Oh, for fuck's sake. But yes. Yeah. yeah, we were, it was one of those days. One of the, you just thought everything is against us here. I can't believe it. And again, the, the other frustrating part as well is obviously Steve Clark was the one who got injured first uh, and we brought Erlen Johnson on. And so, like we, again, like I said previously, yeah, we could have brought Mazzizi on. We had Gavin Peacock on the bench, you know, and perhaps we could have brought Peacock on. But I can see Hoddle's logic bringing a defender on. Yeah. But then we move things about as well. Uh, and we move Dubry out to, to, to wide on the right, where I'd have said, because he did play there quite often during Hoddle's time, like Burley was quite a good wing back as well, and I think if we had Burley in the wing back position, yeah, he wouldn't have been in that place to do that do moment that pass, of yeah. mad, do that moment of madness in terms of the back pass. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know Craig Burley now for other reasons. Yeah, you know, is probably one of the most unpopular players ever to play for Chelsea. But actually, I, I felt sorry for the guy that day, and, and ironically, I met him the next home game. You know, and what what do you say to the guy? You know. Why did yeah. you bloody yeah. do what, that, what you, you stupid prick? He's, he's basically you cost Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've cost us an every Cup final place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah no, he, I thought he was a very decent player. Really, for really for some... When he played for Chelsea. I, yeah, very me, too. me too, me too. Yeah, I like Craig Burley as a player. Scored some cracking goals as well. Yeah, yeah. But my, in, my God, he... Industrious, Mark. He had that quality. He was a, he tried. He was a good trier. Yeah, he was good. No, he was a good player. I mean, as we said last season, he scored some cracking goals. Scored yeah. some cracking own goals as well. Uh, you know, I mean, he's. he's I mean, I. I think you know because he always gets. I mean, I know he's very. He's very sour and bitter about Chelsea on ESPN, and certainly when he goes on Talk Sport. When I've heard him on there with Cundy, but um, maybe that's just his nature. He's a, maybe he's just a dour Scot, but. Uh, 
I have to say, I think for many of us that that he was never forgiven for that. No, he wasn't. Never. Unfortunately. You're absolutely right. You know, he wasn't ever forgiven for that and i think maybe that's why he's sour and bitter about it because of course you know i mean you know it was then compounded wasn't it racing ahead to next monday uh but he was left out of the uh the fa cup final side and he and he and he he had a real strop about it didn't he as, as i recall yep yep yeah yep. he wasn't even in the squad that's yep. right so he, was, he had the hump and he, and he left fairly soon after i think anyway that can wait for next week uh but anyway there you go uh, our cup run comes to an end. So that's three FA Cup, uh, three, sorry, three semi-finals, two of them FA Cup semi-finals in, uh, well, yeah, three semi-finals in three years. Obviously, we get to the final in 94. But each one of them ends in massive disappointment. And I think Mark's got a point, actually. This was this was as, as, as you know, arguably as disappointing as uh, the 94 final. But there you go. Um, so we're now coming towards the end of the season. And, you know, quite understandably, nay, typically Chelsea fizzle out uh, with a bit of disappointment after the the cup uh, defeat, uh, we then go on and we lose two uh, one to Villa at home. Uh, Wise misses another penalty. What is it with us and penalties, people? What is it? I mean, Spackers was saying it the other day, wasn't he? It's like always been a problem for us. And yet we scored four penalties against. I know Lincoln. they were brilliant, weren't they? They're all they were brilliant. brilliant. Crazy. Yeah, the, the, the interesting thing about the Villa game is I actually missed this game. Um, because I was sitting in UCH hospital for four hours, uh, wait, waiting to have my leg stuck back together. Um, mentioned um, Ivor Baddiel. Um, on the morning of the Villa game, uh, uh, Ivor obviously has a lot of celebrity friends, uh, people work in the business and work in publishing, etc. So we had a friendly game at Regent's Park before the Villa game. Uh, and because it was a friendly game, I went in goal. Uh, and I, I, My own fault, I wasn't wearing any shin pads. And there was a gentleman who went on to edit the, the Chelsea magazine and actually went on to be Claudio Ranieri's translator when he arrived, a gentleman called Alex Lees. And Alex Lees was in goal for um, Ivor Baddiel's side. Um, and as often you do, you, you give the guy who's a goalie a, a run out for the last five minutes. And there's this long ball through the middle. And I come sliding out as the goalkeeper to gather it. And nothing wrong, Alex goes in to challenge me, but... It's, it's probably what you call a goalkeeper's challenge, you know, rather than a striker's challenge. And it, we, we just bounce off each other. And I sort of put my leg up. Oh, that hurt a bit. And then I stand up and I've got a black pair of socks on, the kit we were wearing that day, in black shorts. And a friend of mine said, oh, you know, it's not red in the kit, Marcus. I said, no. And literally out of my left shin um, is like pumping clarets. So I've got blood pouring out of my leg. Uh, and literally what, what Alex sadly has done uh, uh, with his stud is he's made a V-shape where the stud has hit my shin and then sliced it like a V-shape up my leg. So I've got this flap of my leg hanging off and blood pouring out anywhere. And obviously they have to call an ambulance because by then I've just collapsed in shock and I can't stand up. Uh, so I get taken to UCH hospital and being the optimistic Chelsea fan that I was, I thought, oh yeah, they'll just sort of stitch me up and I'll, I'll be able to make the bridge. Uh, and clearly I wasn't. I had to wait four hours to get seen. Um, the novelty then was a thing called Steri Strip. So they stitched my leg up. Uh, and um, if you've ever seen me with that sort of like trousers on and shorts on, I've still got the massive scar on my leg 25 years to this day as a permanent reminder. <laughs> so, yeah, I missed the Villa game. And, and actually I was then on crutches the following week uh, when we play Leeds at home. And I had... A ticket for that game in the East Upper Stand. I can tell you, trying to get up to the East the Upper Stand. The impossible, practically no impossible. Means. Was it right at the top? Right at the very top, was I it? I know. 
that is you not get quite. Get it was near the there. front. Near the front. Oh, was it? That's yeah, okay. Near the that's front better. of the east stand. That's better. At least that's better. Yeah. And unfortunately, it wasn't full in the east stand that day, despite us playing Leeds. So I, I actually could lean out in the row I was in and stretch my whole leg out with the crutch, and it was much more comfortable than actually trying to sit in the narrow seats of the east upper tier, trying to watch a game with my legs bandaged up and crutches, etc. So, yeah, that's why I remember that Aston Villa game, because I wasn't at it. You know. mm. There we go. Well, I'm glad to see you've recovered, Mark. Um, but certainly in time to go to the Leeds game, which was arguably the last cracker of uh, of the season for us, because, I mean, we lost uh, the next game against Bolton up there 2-1. Again, so was it Cernicic, wasn't yeah. it? Was... Uh, no, no, it was, uh, Spe- it Spenny put us 1-0 up, then McGinley equalised and Sasha Turchit... Chur- Churchich, Sa- sorry, yeah, you know. great player. Oh, so we try that great. again. Sasa Churchich. Churchich, not Cernicich, sorry. Cernicich's the goalkeeper with the wig. Sorry about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Easily mistaken, obviously. Easily mistaken, yeah. Uh, so yeah. there we go. So another loss. So we are fizzling out. But, it, you know, we kind of bounce back because uh, who better to wallop on a Saturday afternoon at three o'clock, God's chosen time for football, JK, than Dirty Leeds? Uh, loved it. Loved this. Loved this result. I love it when we beat them. I love it. I love, love it. it. Love it. I love it. Um, uh, I, I think Hughes scores with an overhead volley, doesn't he? An overhead kick. Hughes volley, one nil. Yeah, wonderful. And Lukic makes an error, which is always yep. good fun. Lukic had an absolute shocker. He was like, he was letting them through his legs, throwing them in the net. It was always a joy to see Lukic screwing it up. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. Spenny puts us two nil up. Uh, Hughesy makes it three nil. Uh, then Kelly uh, fouls uh, Gary Kelly. Remember him? He fouls Spenny. Penalty. Guess who takes it? Mark Hughes. Quite right. 4-0. He gets his hat-trick. So it's lovely to see Hughes get a hat-trick. Uh, McAllister makes it 4-1. Uh, pretty much, I think, at the death. Yeah, no, no. It's on 66 minutes. So it's all over, basically. Three minutes in, into the second half. So we absolutely wallop them. Um, so, uh, Jonathan and Mark, both in the uh, the East Stand. Uh, Mark, what was your uh, view of this? With your, were you more worried about your leg and the crutches, or were you rather? Enjoy- I mean, did you did you jump up and down when we scored? No, I didn't. No, but I, I enjoyed it immensely beating Dirty Leeds. Yeah, quite right too. Quite right too. Now, the other thing about this um, is that uh, around this time. Um, the England rumours are really gathering a pace. I mean, you know, we're we're about getting on for about six weeks away, maybe more, eight weeks away from the start of uh, uh, Euro '96. Everybody knows that Terry Venables isn't going to stay on after whatever happens in that competition with England. Uh, so the rumours are abounding. Hoddle's uh, stalling on signing a new contract. Uh, Jonathan, were we getting a bit worried that Hoddle might do a bunk by now? Yes. Yes, well, it had been brewing for the last few weeks before then. In fact, so we were um, uh, we were all debating it. I remember everybody I sat with. Um, so uh, I, I don't know. It, it was quite an interesting thing, actually. I wasn't completely convinced that. Um, uh, I, I can't remember my feelings at the time. I, I, whether I wanted him to stay, I think I may have sung "We Want You to Stay." I think there were a few of those. Was was that song existing then? We want you to stay. Dan Hoddle. I'm not sure it was, but um, um, no. I think I was. I'm looking back. I was. Uh, I was um, perturbed by the possibility that he was going to leave because uh, um, we felt that uh, um, if a couple of more signings and that would have made them into a really top club and it would have allowed him to. Um, 
to have achieved his his dream. Um, and you could see that the club, um, the football was getting better and better. It just was. I think one of the one of the uh, the, the 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 caveats would be that we, we seemed to finish in the same league position regardless whenever he was um, um, in every season. So we didn't make huge progress despite having. Um, these excellent players in the side. And as you say, we'd become known as a cup side much more, um, which was to come to its fruition next year, of course. But, um, uh, and there was also that terrible fear that um, what, what manager would we have who might destroy Hoddle's plan? So uh, in actual fact, there was a, um, uh, the groundswell was for Hoddle to stay and please could he stay? And the demonstrations were, we wanted him to stay. I remember the the chance being around about this time. There were chants about wanting him to stay. Indeed. So, uh, yeah. um, and Mark, who didn't we want? We didn't. We didn't want George uh, Graham. I, oh, sorry. Yeah, you're there. Yeah. No. No. no for me, obviously, when it went to the last game, obviously the deal is done by the last game. But obviously, the weeks leading up to that, I think George Graham was actually at one of our games. I can't remember. Was it? Was it the Leeds game? Or whether it was the Spurs game, but George Graham was definitely at a game. He was seen. Well, we, we were away. Game. We were so away. It was absolutely. We were away to Wednesday and then Spurs, and then we had yeah, Blackburn so, at home, didn't we? Where we we yeah. lost. So he, he was. So he was either at the Leeds home game or the Spurs game. There was definitely a game where George Graham was seen at Chelsea, and obviously that sort of gave the fear for Chelsea fans that George Graham was going to be our new manager, mm. and that's where you're. The final game, you stick George Graham up your ass. Chant came from absolutely right. I remember it vividly, brilliantly too. But there you go. So anyway, as I said, uh, last three games, nil nil at Wednesday, one one at Spurs. We lost two three to Blackburn on the last game. Mark, um, did we do fancy dress uh, last away game this year? As it was Spurs. No, we didn't, and I think that was a disappointing thing. Yeah, it was always a sort of a game outside town. Um, but obviously, as a London derby, no, no, we didn't bother this time around. No, well, I, I think rules are rules, Mark. Quite right, too. Um, the, the Obviously, last game of the season. By now, you know, early May, Hoddle has signed as England manager, as we were saying. So, you know, it was it was a chance to say farewell to Glenn. I was really sad to see him go. I have to say, JK, um, you know, it was kind of really weird at the time. I was a bit more into, you know, England than I am now. So it was really conflicting because, you know, I was... I kind of understood, you know, if England come calling, you don't say no. But at the same time, I was I was really pissed off because I thought, you know, what what he had done and what he was doing, we were absolutely going in the right direction. You know, we were clearly evolving. We'd had three semi-finals and a well, two semi-finals and a, and a final in the last three seasons. That was, I mean, more, you know, touching of success than we'd had for years, really. And uh, I loved the way we were playing. He was signing players like Rudy Hullett, Mark Hughes, uh, Dan Petrescu. So I was really gutted that he went. But uh, I kind of, I kind of understood why he did. Oh no, we all completely understood because it was the it was the golden chalice of a job, wasn't it, to be able to do that? But um, at the same time, um, there was this fear that it would all unravel if they got the wrong manager. So there was huge debate as could possibly come in and. Uh, because Graham seemed to be the, uh, um, uh, I think he was available, and as you say, he'd been present in one of the games. You could see his reputation was for was hugely hugely defensive um, style of playing, and we didn't want that. Um, 
um, I can't remember who we were we were associated with as well. There was another manager who was uh, appeared to be um, available, and uh, uh, and somebody we we were we were linked with. Do you remember who it was, Mark? No, I thought the only one we were linked with was George Graham at the time. Right. Yeah. Can't remember if anyone else was in the running. Mm, interesting. Well, uh, luckily, five days after the season ends, uh, we played uh, Blackburn on the fifth of May. On the tenth of May. Uh, Chelsea announced that Rude Hullet would be appointed as player manager. And, you know, Rudy stated he had a clear desire to continue what Hoddle had started in terms of his playing style. So, uh, Mark, what did you what did you think of uh, Hullet finally being appointed? Absolutely delighted because that was that was the worry. That was the fear for most Chelsea fans that we could end up with George Graham. So the fact they made the right decision with going at Hullet was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. JK? Was there, wasn't there a, an outpouring of um, of chanting for Hullet at, at the end end of the season, at the, at the last game? Do you remember, Mark? I, um, I remember there being, I thought there was there was a, um, a Hullet chant that was being used. I can't remember what it was. Uh, was it just Rudy? Just Rudy? We, we want Rudy or something? They, they were definitely chanting... They were definitely chant, yeah. They were definitely chanting Rudy, and there was banners up, you know, with Hullet's name on them as well. You know, it it it, it was a coronation for Hullet. Yes, yes, because we were hoping we could persuade Bates, and of course Bates, I think, had made his mind up already that it would be the perfect thing to do with to just have him as player manager. So uh, that's what we got. Well, it's kind of tempting to say it was a gamble, but of course, you know, it wasn't because we'd appointed uh, we'd appointed Hoddle as a player manager, and so the similarities were there for all to see. Um, I mean, you know, we didn't know then just how what a brilliant move it was going to be, but uh, you know, um, yeah, I mean, like you, you can see it was a gamble, but it, it's certainly one as we know that paid off. So there you go. That was the season that was 1995-1996. So just to kind of have a bit of a summary and a, and a reflect on that. Uh, we obviously, we finished 11th. Duh, fancy that. The same position as we did the season before. So the league, the league's still a bit of a tough nut for us to crack in many ways. But, you know, we got to a semi-final again. Very disappointing to go out, obviously, but hey-ho. Um, you know, Hoddle... Uh, actually said you know again at the end of the season he thought the football was very pleasing excellent quality and it was definitely helped by the new signings my own thoughts on it is that you know like we were saying earlier on JK I mean the football was really stunning at parts of the season great goals throughout the season great crosses as well lovely one-touch passing and passing both short and long I thought all season I thought that Hullet was just imperious well, wonderful, wonderful. Just a, just a class, a whole class above. Hughes was absolutely quality. Wisey was back to his best. I thought Spenny was really good as well. And Super Dan was a revelation. But and, Spencer had a great ability of, uh, of hitting the corner of the net from angles yeah. where players um, Furlong, Furlong and Steen would hit it past the goal. <clears throat> no, they were, not, they were not highlights, were they? But, I mean, I think Spenny... I mean, it's really interesting, actually, going back to this, this period of Chelsea's history to be reminded, actually, of how underrated John Spencer was for us, I think. Yeah. His ability, as I, I keep going on about, to get in front of defenders for a volley when the ball's being whipped across, there was a very, very good standard of cross coming in for him as well. Um, and the image of him with the bandage on his head after he'd been stepped on by Julian Dix was uh, was iconic, actually, for him as a player. 
because um, he he came back and scored, didn't he, yeah. in that game against the Hammers? Um, but yeah, and I think I think um, I, I, it's the same mark. Yeah, same. Yeah, I, I thought Spenny. Yeah, other than Hullet was our best player that season. Hullet was streets ahead. Yeah, but I thought Spenny had a magnificent season for Chelsea. He was our top, the, top goal scorer with 14 goals, didn't he? Who was who it made the remark, um, if we had more quality, Hughes would have um, scored more goals? Was that Hullet who said that? I think I yeah. think he was aware that a couple yeah. of places, there, there was still, I think the goalkeeper was one of them, I think, that uh, Hitchy did pretty well coming in for Kareen, but wasn't, um, just wasn't quite good enough to to be top four for the club to be higher in the league. Um, and Kareen was... was so inconsistent, um, excellent, um, excellent last-minute saves, and then a real clangor he'd commit, um, giving a goal away. Um, so um, these were areas that I felt they could have improved. Mm. Uh, um, and um, as I said, Frank Sinclair was 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 not the player for me. That I think Dubry proved that he was a better player than him in terms of once again consistency. But um, Frank was always a um, an error. Uh, waiting to happen. He was always an error away from an own goal. He was always, or Blessing. even giving the ball away. Yeah. My lasting image would always be, always that thing would always shout. He'd get the ball, he might do something, he'd tackle somebody, he'd beat a player, he'd, and you'd go, good old Frank, come on, Frank, yeah, Frank, yeah. And he'd pass the ball to the opposition who <laughs> would then centre it. It was uh, you know, as simple as that. You know. There we go. I mean, you know, Dennis, as I said, I think Dennis Wise was back to his best. I mean, you mentioned it earlier on in the show, JK, but he was our yeah. top appearance maker with 44. I mean, you know, other than that, I mean, the league form, I thought, again, as I said, it was very inconsistent. And I think in in a way, in a way, this was kind of classic, uh, classic Chelsea, really, you know, wonderfully inconsistent. We'd beat the best teams, you know, when nobody expected us to. And we would lose to the worst teams when nobody expected us to, which is just classic Chelsea. And and again, you know, uh, we suffered at the expense of a cup run, I think, again. But I do think that this 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 is, you know, this is when this kind of idea of Chelsea being a cup side really started to take root, this kind of period in the history. You know, we were we were good at getting deep into cup competitions, but with nowhere in the league. And this, in a funny old way, continues on but with a little bit more success for the next few years, doesn't it? But, you know, the reality is, mate, we were playing great football. I think it was really beginning to gel. I mean, Terry Phelan and Petrescu, I think, really made Huddle 3-5-2 system hum. And actually, there was a feeling that a trophy was not far off. We were getting close. We were getting close and we were getting close. It was coming. It was coming. You must underestimate Phelan's contribution. He He was a fine player. Very, very quick very, very, um, uh, an excellent crosser of the ball as well. It was uh, was a terrific signing, as of course was Dan. And this was all of these players, other than Phelan, who didn't really have much of, much longevity at the club. But um, uh, um, Petrescu's signing was was um, absolutely brilliant, and he was to he was to prove that uh, in, in the future. Brilliant player, he was indeed. Now, now I, I would agree, Chidge. I think some of the Hoddle signings this year were really crucial, Petrescu and Feeling being being part of them. And it bode well for the follow, following season. And Petrescu you know, is a key part of that season going forward. I think the, the only thing I, I would say, yes, you know, Hullet was the right choice as manager. But for me, there was still that frustration going back to that semi-final game of what might have been. 
So sad to see Hoddle go. I thought he did a good job. We made progress with him. But it would have been so much nicer to go with a cup final win behind him. Mm. Can't argue with that. Uh, JK, final word to you. Um, well, we're about to discover that, unfortunately, through Hullet becoming the manager, um, he doesn't play as much. And um, and consequently, he's. Uh, um, uh, we realise that this has been the best season for watching him. And and to me, he's he's uh, one of the greatest players Chelsea have ever had. But the, the thing I would add, JK, and Chidge has heard this story before, but I'll, I'll leave it till next week's show. There clearly is also a reason why he might have not played as much football the following season. Uh, yes. uh, what happens in a pre-season friendly in Exeter? Yes. But I'll say no more till next time. <laughs> oh, you tease, you tease. <laughs> well, there you go. Excellent. If, Excellent. Th- if that hasn't got him tuning in next week, I don't know what is. But uh, I'm afraid wait next week is when you'll, you'll have to wait to hear it. So uh, we've uh, done more than enough talking about 95-96, but it's been, as always, huge, huge fun. I hope you've enjoyed it even half as much as we have. But uh, until we uh, until we reconvene next week, uh, when, of course, we'll be covering uh, the 1996-97 season and so many exciting things happen in that season. And of course, I don't need to tell you all, we win an FA Cup that season. So to, ce- to celebrate that fact, we're going to have as many of our rabble together that were in and around it uh, at the time in 97 as we can possibly muster next Monday so don't miss that one that'll be a cracking show but uh, uh, but there you go until then uh, Mark I have to say a massive thank you for you and your wonderful anecdotes Jonathan and I just love hearing them mate it's brilliant thank you no, re- really enjoyable being on, on this evening you know looking forward to next week I think with all the guys on it could be quite a show it could well <laughs> be yeah not for the faint hearted that one JK as always an absolute pleasure my, uh, my amigo uh, it's been great fun as always Thank you. Lovely to be on the show with, with you and Mark. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, great stuff. Enjoyed it. Can't wait for next week. Right. You lot out there, as always, uh, brilliant for listening in uh, and listening to the podcast. We love seeing you, as you all know, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Until then, up the chills! Up the chills! Up the chills! Up the chills. Up the chills.